Welcome to the Daring Mighty Things podcast, a show about the dreamers and the doers at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, also known as JPL. In every episode, we try to give you a behind-the-scenes look at the lives and journeys of the people working on unique NASA missions to see what's out there in our universe and help understand our very own planet Earth. And before we get started today, remember to follow us on our NASA JPL Careers social media channels and check out available career opportunities at jpl.jobs. Our guest this episode is JPL flight systems engineer Joey Jefferson, who helps control spacecraft researching and protecting our planet. Stay tuned to hear more about Joey's adventures, piloting a plane at 13, double majoring in math and music, spoiler alert, he is an accomplished musician, and landing a career at JPL. Welcome to another episode of Daring Mighty Things. And before we get started, you'll notice that my co-host, Lainey James, was not able to join us today. She's probably out there doing something involving lightsabers, but I know she is disappointed to miss our conversation with our incredible, multi-talented guest. Joey has a bachelor's and a master's degree in mathematics from California State Polytechnic University, Pomona, and he's currently working on another master's in space systems engineering at Johns Hopkins University. He is a native of Rialto, California, and his main projects at JPL are the Soil Moisture Active Passive Mission, also known as SMAP, an Earth-orbiting observatory. He is also part of NEOWISE, which is another Earth-orbiting project which looks for potentially hazardous asteroids. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Joey. Welcome. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. How are you, uh, how are you finding uh, being back on lab where for those... Uh, those of you listening out there, we are recording at JPL's own TV Ops studio. So um, slowly getting back to an yeah. on-lab presence. How are you? How are you feeling? Uh, good, good. Actually had a fire alarm earlier this morning, so definitely getting back into the swing of things. At, at JPL? <laughs> yeah. Or, okay. Yeah. yeah, I think we walked by it on the way here. Yeah. I thought it was a drill. I, I don't know. There was, there was fire trucks, so I'm not quite sure if it was a drill or not, but, you know. It's, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. The thing at JPL is that, and as we were walking here, I said that. I was like, you know, you never know. JPL, it could, yeah. be, <laughs> it could be something that somebody was experimenting 1 million percent. with. So you want to take those seriously. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to just roll your eyes and be like, oh, this is probably just a drill. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we, we walked by it on the way here. So, yeah, and getting back into it. Yeah. That reminds me. Um, did you uh, did you have did your group have a big presence on lab during COVID or were you guys able to do a lot of your work uh, from home? Yeah, so um, we definitely made the switch to try to do everything as remote as possible. So for um, flight systems engineering and, and commanding spacecraft and monitoring spacecraft, um, all of the more routine stuff mm -hmm. was done at home, and which is the weirdest feeling commanding a spacecraft from home and like in your living room with your desk set up there. <laughs> it's right, just right, like, it's yeah. surreal um, versus like a uh, mission control room where it's a little bit more serious. Um, but um, the more the more serious uh, commands or if something happens with the spacecraft that it's in danger or something will come in, will come on lab and um, be a right. little bit more formal. Um, but yeah, so it's been really interesting working from home and um, doing everything uh, with yeah. the spacecrafts. Uh, you know, remotely. It's, it's been a really interesting ride for right. sure. <laughs> Joe, I've seen uh, photos of you, Joey, and you totally reminded me, you know, like in the movies, you know, when you see the folks sitting in like the mission control yeah. and they've got the little headphones <laughs> yeah. in and they're looking at the, you know, the brightly lit screens. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like when, when you're coming in, right, to do some of those most serious maneuvers or commands, mm -hmm. 
um, you're one of those folks that you would see in, in these movies sitting in the control in the control room with your little headphone, right? Uh, one million percent. It feels like that. <laughs> Always like a movie sometimes when you're in there and you're just like, okay. Especially when the tours came in uh-huh. um, before COVID. And when I worked in Deep Space Network, I did some work with Cassini and uh, flew that mission. And, you know, they come in, all the kids are like, whoa, they're like looking at you. So you look all serious, <laughs> like, even if nothing's going on. <laughs> like, try to act like you're doing something. You're like putting in an yeah. order for exactly, like lunch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, actually, that kind of um, dovetails into our conversation about what, what your day-to-day looks like. What does a, um, a normal day for a... Uh, flight systems engineer look like at JPL? Yeah. So um, definitely a team effort. So we share a lot of the effort um, in monitoring the spacecraft, which is a 24-7 job. And so usually um, every three or four weeks, a person will be designated a systems engineer of the week, for instance, on SMAP. And um, and during that week, you know, you wake up, um, your phone is on loud in case there's any alarms or anything overnight. And usually there, there won't be. So you'll, you wake up and like, okay, good, spacecraft's good. Um, usually go to a status meeting um, and different subsystems of the spacecraft will talk about um, their status, whether everything's good and green or they have any issues they're looking at. And, um, and then you'll, um, depending on the mission and how it's set up, you'll uh, radiate or um, uplink some commands that um, are usually routine um, in keeping the spacecraft healthy. And, uh, and then you'll um, do some planning for maybe a maneuver that needs to happen or um, uh, anything related with um, some upkeep with the spacecraft. and uh, But it's all just making sure you're keeping the ship steady and on its path and doing its mission well. And if there's any issues, you know, trying to respond to that as quickly and efficiently as possible. So you are genuinely like the pilot of the spacecraft. That's kind of, yeah. yeah. Flight systems engineering is, is really that. Um, and alongside all the people that built the airplane mm-hmm. <laughs> riding with you and there for um, any uh, guidance if anything's going wrong. Gotcha. Now, look, for folks like me who don't know too much about sort of the science of these uh, orbiting spacecraft, because that's the difference, right? Mm-hmm. When, again, we look at movies and we think spacecraft, we think, oh, something that's going out into, you know, deep space or, or traveling between planets, which we do that at JPL mm-hmm. too. We do. Um, <laughs> but these orbiting spacecraft, right, is not enough to just place them in that orbit, right? There is work that needs to be happen- happening. There's work that happens consistently and continuously yeah. to maneuver it and, and keep it going in that orbit or changing its orbit. If, if Absolutely. I'm, yeah, you're okay. right. You're on, you're on online. Uh, so there's a corridor usually that we try to stay in between. Um, and so we'll do these things called orbit trim maneuvers to stay in that corridor to, corridor to make sure we're in, in the um, correct orbit for the science planning and everything. Um, and then also with Earth orbiting missions, you have to avoid debris, um, which brings an entire new element. <laughs> There's um, more and more of it, too, yeah, I hear. Yeah, yeah, it's starting to become a problem yeah. that we need to look into. Literally just did a maneuver last night um, at 10 o'clock at night trying to get out of the way of a um, high probability uh, debris that was going to possibly hit us if we didn't move. Um, and so that's really fun because we get um, reports from NASA. NASA has a whole team of people looking at all um, debris uh, above a certain diameter. And um, and there's probabilities whether or not it'll hit our spacecraft. And so if it goes past the threshold, we have to respond. And so that's really exciting in, in the Earth world. Um, what I, I really didn't experience working in deep space missions before. I was going to say, the so you are kind of... Uh... You're, you are kind of like a doctor 
you know, with a little beeper. Yeah, no, <laughs> literally. A little yeah. beeper that rings, you know, yeah. at 10 p.m. You might have to do a maneuver. Yeah, so, yeah. Oh, but but, it, but the cool thing is, it, again, it's a team effort. And so if someone has something going on and they or there's something or they can't make it, mm-hmm. you know, more than often than not, someone on the team will step up and um, get the get the job done. Um, and so, yeah, and so we'll also uh, develop sequences throughout the day. Um um, for over a course of a week, usually, or three or four days. And a sequence is just a planned um, number of commands in sequential order that the spacecraft follows. Um, so it'll say, um, at this time, turn this way so we can communicate with an antenna. Um, and so that there's definitely some work with that. Um, usually it's routine, but sometimes things can happen and it can get more... Um, uh, difficult to figure out how to create a sequence that doesn't violate any flight rules. Um, but that's a really fun part of the job is just getting to interact with the spacecraft that way and see how it's all kind of done. Um, it's fun. Nice. You have a special relationship with your spacecraft. I do. I love them. <laughs> <laughs> you really need to begin to get one. Everyone, I, I bet you, feels that way. <laughs> and, you know, and again, for our listeners out there, uh, JPL also, when a spacecraft is done with their mission... Um, they will have big goodbye parties yeah. because it is you work on these projects sometimes for decades, yeah. and it is super meaningful. You, you do build I mean, a relationship with them. Cassini, for instance, that was yeah. like at four or five in the morning um, when we sent the last command. Um, I mean, so when we um, got the last uh, little bit of data, and then it cut off and flew into the atmosphere of Saturn. And just to see how many people came out that early who woke up at 2, 3 in the morning, who knows, and was just there to support it because they worked on it, mm-hmm. you know, in, in 2003 and, you know, gave their piece of the pie to make that mission successful. Yeah. Um, it's really beautiful to see that love and, and adoration for something so amazing. You know. And I believe it was called the grand finale. The grand finale, Cassini's yeah. grand finale. <laughs> it really was grand. Yeah, it, it really was grand. <laughs> it it, was. You know, you guys drove it into the atmosphere and, yeah. you know, <laughs> that's awesome. All right, so now we'll, we'll go ahead and move into our EDL segment, which stands for Entry, Descent, and Landing. And it is a segment where we like to ask our participants for their own entry, descent, and landing journey into JPL. And for those of you who don't know out there, EDL is one of the most important parts of missions that are trying to land on other planets because it's really after decades of research and work on a spacecraft is really when you know that you've achieved um, that part of the mission, which is land successfully with all systems working. Um, So our spacecrafts are not the only ones who have an EDL right? That's very important to uh, to the mission. Our employees do as well. So uh, we'll go ahead and jump into that conversation. Uh, in your case, Joey, could you talk to us a little bit about your journey, your entry into the field of STEM? Yeah. I know you talked a lot about your love for math. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, just tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So it really began... Um, for me, because I, I really started music, that was what I thought my love was until, um, you know, I went on my first uh, plane uh, trip with my grandmother and the uh, the pilot, and this is before 9-11, and the pilot let me go in the cockpit and sit in the seat and play with the yoke. And I was just like, whoa, <laughs> this is amazing. 
And then, um, you know, when we took off and everything, I was just, it just blew my mind that we were literally above everybody <laughs> in the world, um, except for some of the people nice as us. And, um, and this was successful thousands and thousands of times a day. Um, just the consistency and the, the audacity mm-hmm. and, and for everything just to be working as just normal, just blew my mind. Um, so that really began the love for aviation and, um, and aerospace in general. Um, my mom saw that, and I'm blessed with an amazing mother who um, took me to this thing called Young Eagles, um, which gave orientation flights to, to kids that would not be exposed to it. Um, and she had found it. She's like, oh, we're going to do this. So we went to Rialto Airport <laughs> and then got into Cessna 150 and, uh, you know, got to fly. And that was like, I was bit. You know, for you actually got to fly yeah. at 13. Yeah, yeah, it was nuts. And your mom just like, you know, hey, I just <laughs> let me know when you land. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and so that was really the start of the trajectory. Um, I got into, I started off in aerospace engineering actually at Cal Poly and then um, switched over to math after seeing this proof um, proving that even plus an even equals an even number always. Um, and I kind of did it a different way than the professor did it. And she was like, oh, that's right. Yeah. Awesome. And I just kind of that when that happened, it just, uh-huh. I, I fell in love with math. And so and then I went that direction thinking I was going to maybe go into academia, but aerospace just kind of kept pulling me, yeah. you know, and, and I was taking um, lessons for a private pilot uh, license. Uh-huh. And um, so it was always kind of there. Um, and then I got uh, um, my sister who went to church with um, Deidre, who um, works in the DSN um, flight control room. And, uh, and DSN is uh, the Deep Space Network. Deep Space Network, yeah. yeah. Um, the SFOF in the Space Flight Operations Facility. Um, and she is, like, no- notoriously awesome. Like, she runs mm-hmm. it like a tight ship. And um, she was just, hey, do you know anybody that um, has... Uh, working in a math degree that uh, <laughs> they want to internship with uh, JPL, just like my brother. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I, I always thank her so much. Um, and but yeah, she was the the bridge into JPL, which gotcha. I definitely did not think I was qualified for at all. Um, I remember going into Caltech and just seeing everybody there, and everyone was talking about all these all these incredible concepts that I just didn't understand quite yet, and. You know, I felt definitely like an imposter and had that imposter syndrome. Um, but, you know, I still worked hard. Um, and then, yeah, that was the footsteps into JPL. So you were talking, um, so if we go back a little bit to that moment when math kind of became your thing and kind of, you know, kind of clicked, do you, do you recall even early on that, even earlier on than college, mm-hmm. a moment in like middle school or high school that, um, you know, it's like, wow, this is really something that I'm good at and that I want to pursue and that it relates to my other interests. Do you remember that that moment or? Yeah, um, definitely for um, an AP calculus, um, there was a kind of moment there because I remember that the, the teacher was kind of like not knowing I loved math as much as I did. Um, and I did well on the on the AP exam. And he was kind of surprised, and I, I was kind of surprised. <laughs> like, I was like, "Oh, maybe I am kind of good at this." And kind of, and then, and then, and then I started really enjoying the concepts um, as I got into college, and you know, the idea of just everything being continuous and and versus discrete, and all these different th- yeah. ideas. Like, as we look out in the world, 
um, that's what really like bit me and I fell in love with proofs and, and fig- figuring out logic and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Were you like that character in Goodwill Hunting? Um, Matt Damon, you know, he sees the math problem in the, and, and you're, that you're guy the, is, that guy's a super genius. I was going to say, like, I'm thinking of you as like, you know, the super genius who, you know, the, the professor had this unsolvable math problem and no, you kind of come yeah, in. No. No, he was thinking some of the most difficult graph theory problems in in existence, (laughs) and I was doing even plus an even equals an even, so (laughs) (laughs) nowhere near. (laughs) Listen, I still think there should be a Hollywood movie about you, so don't worry. Um, You said something really interesting, and I think it's really powerful and important to talk about. You talked about the influence that your mom and sort of, you know, the folks around you had in encouraging yeah. this. Um, how important do you think that is to have folks that don't just say, um, oh, you like planes, but, you know, that's it's too expensive or that's not, you know, you don't need to pursue that or you need to focus on some of these other things. How important do you think is that influence of those around you as you're growing up and encouraging uh, folks to go into these fields? Oh, that's gigantic. Um, you know, exposure to different parts of life really gives you your photograph right like you have to expose the entire photograph to really get the entire photograph there to the light and if i wasn't exposed to these to these things i would never have known you know this is something that um i could do um that i would want to do and and end up being what i should do you know and and that's why i just give so much credit to my mom because it's not only that she was driving me to like she tried to put me in basketball, and that mm-hmm. didn't work out. And then, <laughs> you know, she's, and then she's like, hey, maybe music. Okay, maybe maybe this plain thing. And he, she was just yeah. so instrumental in trying to find, you know, our gifts. Because I have three sisters, and then she did the same thing for them. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, so that's why I'm, like, infinitely thankful. And we also understand it now going to the next generation, um, with like, my nephew and nieces and niece and nephews, um, and seeing their gifts really blossom even earlier than ours did. Um, it's just really cool to see that formula will always work yeah. is putting effort into children and exposing them to different parts of life early on will undoubtedly put them on their correct path of life that they're, they're really supposed to be doing in my opinion right. that's awesome So let's go ahead and talk about your descent into JPL. A second ago, you talked about how you knew uh, someone who worked at JPL and kind of first planted that seed. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit more about that that process and kind of how you overcame a little bit of this imposter syndrome to say, "I wow, okay, I didn't think we, I could work there, but I can." Yeah, um, and so it was three months a three month internship, which is excellent. And so if anybody is looking for an internship, NASA JPL's three-month internship is very special. Um, you know, there's so many opportunities to, to network and to, there's events and talks for the interns to go to. Um, you have a mentor. And um, my mentor is Joseph Hunt at Spitzer Space Telescope at the time. He was um, the uh, mission manager and I don't know, the flight director, sorry. And, um, and he gave me this problem. Um, where basically um, we get emails from Goddard and they're like space weather notifications and I had to parse it in this email and create a um, little uh, Excel sheet um, that took the information and put it in there. And I had a little bit of coding experience um, in high school and during this 
organization called the Black Data Processing Association. But, um, you know, I definitely was feeling like, I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> like, even after, even while you were doing the internship, huh? Yeah, completely. Oh. But there's something called Google and Stack Exchange. You are the second guest that brings up looking things up on Google <laughs> to figuring out how to oh, do it. It's huge. <laughs> and, you know, and I got it like done in like a week and a half. And because I just got lucky with this one Stack mm -hmm. Exchange situation and it just ended up being perfectly what I needed to figure out the code and everything. And then from there, I like, mean, like, hold this whole website and everything and try to just really, like, elevate it to just, you know, go above and beyond. And that, that took notice. And so from there, I got a position commanding the Spitzer Space Telescope. And that's when I really got me into spacecraft operations and, um, and started my journey. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of really the, the beginning of the descent, should we say. And you're actually, um, we talked about this earlier. You are doing a master's another master's, a second master's at John Hopkins University on space systems engineering. What yeah. what sort of motivated you to get that second master's? Yeah, just to round out um, the knowledge base. Um, since I didn't, you know, get an aerospace engineering degree, I really wanted to make sure um, I understood um, the fundamental concepts because you can definitely learn the job. And that is, a, I mean, a lot, a lot of people do that. And, um, and it's completely possible. Um, but I just wanted to make sure I had every, all, all of my bases covered. Uh, and also just to learn more, um, that's done by APL. A lot of APL um, engineers uh, give classes there and then talk about some of the missions that we work on as, at JPL as well, like New Horizons, for instance. Um, and so it's been really cool just kind of getting their knowledge base and understanding how spacecraft, mostly how spacecraft are developed. Um, that's what I really did know because I'm in the operations phase. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I really wanted to kind of go into and learn about. But yeah, it's been really fun. Right. It's part of, um, I, I will say, I think there is a culture at JPL of continuous learning yeah, one way or another. Uh, yeah, so it's like you're, you're constantly seeing it around you, other mm -hmm. folks mm -hmm. pushing themselves to learn uh, different skills or, yeah. um, you know, formalize some of the talents that they already have and expand yeah, uh, that yeah. database of information through these degrees. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It never ends. And the moment you think it ends, then you're done for. <laughs> you know. Never ends. Yeah. <laughs> we still haven't figured out some of the biggest things out there. Exactly. There's, there's more to learn. <laughs> it reminds me of this uh, the story of this professor. He says most people, they start off, they have a circle of knowledge. And so what they don't know is a little bit small, what they think they don't know. Mm -hmm. But as that circle of knowledge gets bigger, then the um, circumference of the circle gets bigger. And so you realize, oh, there's a lot of stuff I don't know. And then as you learn more, you're like, oh, there's even more I don't know. And it's just, uh, it's, it's this relationship. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, that's actually a really good way. That's a good way of putting it. You don't know what you don't know. Exactly. And the more you know, the more you realize. Yes. The more I don't know. <laughs> Those known unknowns are crucial. Yeah. <laughs> this might be a good time to um, do a plug for uh, JPL has a tuition reimbursement yes, uh, benefit. Yes, that's exactly yeah. how I am going to Johns Hopkins. <laughs> See? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's great. Uh, I love that they do that. Um, and it's fantastic. And they, and they yeah. encourage learning. And that's, yeah. that's really great. Okay. So, Joey, now that you've landed, so we're in the landing portion of our EDL sequence. It's, you know, very nerve-wracking. You know, the, the parachute deploy. You know, are the rockets firing to slow us down? You've landed safely at JPL. Uh, you've been here for how many years? About seven and a half now. Seven and a half years. What's next? Yeah. So, you know, 
in this journey in JPL, it's kind of whatever comes at me. I've been, I've been kind of just soaking up all the opportunity I possibly can. Um, you know, working with Mars 2020 and seeing all of that and how that all worked was like so incredible. And now going to the earth world and learning how all this is working is equally incredible. And so I have a feeling that more opportunities like that are going to be on the horizon. And so I'm just trying to stay prepared as possible and um, keep my head down and, you know, work hard and, uh, and kind of just, you know, let whatever comes come. Um, (laughs) If you're able to share with us, what do you think are the most exciting developments when it comes to spacecraft navigation and guidance technology? Yeah, James Webb Space Telescope is going to be amazing. Um, I can't wait. I think science begins in July. Um, They just aligned all their mirrors and everything. Um, That's going to be some beautiful Mm -hmm. pictures and beautiful knowledge um, about the universe coming from that. Mm -hmm. Between Spitzer and and James Mm -hmm. Webb, like our Hubble even and James Webb, this is going to be, even though it's visible light versus infrared, this is going to be something that I think is, you know, really going to inspire so many young minds when seeing these pictures and the beauty of it. That's the one thing I love about the universe. It's so beautiful. Um, It's it's art in itself as well, you know. And so... So let's talk a little bit about that because, yeah. again, we're, we're, we've talked a lot about sort of your, you know, your math work, your, you know, flight work with the spacecraft. But you are also an incredibly gifted artist yeah. and musician. Appreciate so. it. <laughs> He's being so humble. I, you know, I, that we, we had a little call before this where he just casually dropped in. Joey is an internationally awarded pianist and clarinetist. So, yeah, maybe talk to us a little bit about how you got into music mm-hmm. uh, and that connection between uh, the scientific process and, oh, yeah. and art. Yeah. So I got into music um, fairly early on um, in elementary school. Uh, I, was, I started playing clarinet and um, I loved the emotion that it brought. I loved, um, you know, the challenge of trying to figure out how to do the embouchure and little things like that. Um but most importantly, just playing together with a group of people was really something I really loved. Um, you know, the communal aspect of each individual part, bringing on an entire wind ensemble that makes something greater than the just a clarinet by itself. Um, and then from there, um, I double majored in uh, music and math. Um, and that kept me like a formal education into music. Um, and, and especially classical piano, because you have to take piano classes. Um, and I'd always play like this little piano in my, in my garage. That was my grandma's that like some of the keys weren't working and stuff. And so, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. And yeah. so, but I was getting used to, you know, moving it in a, in a way. I bet your parents loved it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe that's why my parents never got me any yeah. sort of like musical instrument growing up because. <laughs> I literally don't know how my mom does it <laughs> or did it. I don't. Um, but yeah, so that's what really kind of got me into classical piano. And then I, what I really loved was the similarities between um, math, science, more um, logical uh, areas and um, the more expressive areas. And I really think there is a strong connection that most people don't see because the two are usually um, apart. And... There was mm-hmm. this perception that, yeah, yeah, it's like, oh, I'm right brain or left brain. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
and there's there's a lot of science, even in audio engineering, for mm. instance, yeah. um, in signals. But but for most uh, more for me, it's the patterns and the repetition and the iteration um, that sticks out. Mm-hmm. And so, like for instance, in a hip hop beat, you'll have a kick um, sequence, and it will repeat, and then it will repeat again, and then it will repeat again, and kind of form the bedrock of um, the beat itself. And then you'll have some symbols that may do a little repeating structure, but the the idea is it's always looping, mm-hmm. um, um, usually, uh, and that, I think that's what the ear likes the most. Mm-hmm. Um, and anybody that understands that can see the connection to how waves are so synonymous in the universe and, and everywhere, um, and how we communicate with spacecraft. We use um, electromagnetic radiation and light waves and radio waves um, to talk to each other. And that is nothing but an iteration as well. A circle and movement technically is a wave. Um, and so when I start seeing these kind of relationships, um, it just I, I just I love it because it really does unite us and connect connect us more so than separate us. And I think that's the the key um, to to life in general, really. <laughs> you mentioned that you are friends with a Grammy winning uh, artist nominated nominated yeah. oh. <laughs> A Grammy-nominated artist, and you said that when you heard her talk about her creative process, uh, you immediately saw that connection between that process Completely. and the scientific process. Yeah, specifically spacecraft development. And so in spacecraft development, there's usually three phases, the concept phase, the engineering phase, and the operational phase. And, and in the concept phase, you really start with, okay, we want a spacecraft that wants to look at fires. And you don't know any instruments is going to be on there yet. You don't know the um, logistics that's going to take, the ground networks, none of that. All you're thinking about is spacecraft fire. And so it looks down at the Earth. Um, It's going to try to detect smoke. And then from there, you can start to see, okay, what instruments detect smoke really well that we can use in an innovative way? And then you start to get into the nitty-gritty, and all of a sudden you have nuts and bolts of an actual spacecraft. And to see her work, it was the same thing. She Mm -hmm. started with the concept. She's like, you know what, I want to write a song about what I'm feeling right now. Um, you know, I just had a tough day with so-and-so or something, mm-hmm. and let's talk about, like, you know, fishers and friendships or mm-hmm. something. Like, <laughs> you know, it's yeah, yeah. actually a cool name for a song. Um, <laughs> uh, trademarked. <yeah. laughs> um, and then from there, it'd be like, okay, so it can't be all majory and happy because, you know, this was like a, a right. tough time. And so maybe, you know, we make it minor or diminished chords in there and, utilize this kind of beat pattern which can create instability and then so it comes from that concept and the music starts to reflect that concept and people whether they know it or not appreciate it and and it's the same and i saw all these all these connections between it and um and the key is really iteration too and so in in spacecraft development you come back to it and you go and it's called coming down levels requirements um and you're always revisiting and the same thing with the song, like she would come back and revisit it again with having lived a life more um, and hearing it with fresh ears um, and seeing like how things can be changed, or what they were thinking before it may change here. And, yeah. um, you know, and so I kind of just was observative, uh, observational and and seeing that just lit up a whole thing in me. Um, and yeah. But yeah. <laughs> So that created a lot of inspiration, which yeah. you have taken and channeled not only in, again, your work here at JPL, um, but also in some of the 
activities that you have outside of work. Uh, yeah. You recently participated. Well, I want to say you recently starred. <laughs> no, it was a team effort too, trust. <laughs> that was, um, <laughs> In a musical called From the Earth to the Moon. Yeah. And um, me and Lainey went to see it, and it was incredible. Thank you. We went to see the last Thank show. Thank you so much for coming, too. That was so uh, cool. It was so awesome to see y'all. <laughs> it was great, and it was packed, too. I that mean. Was, it was a fun, fun one, for sure. That was fantastic. So so, so you you were working on that. Some other JPLers were a part of the cast <laughs> as well. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that. I mean, uh, you said you rehearsed for that for like seven months, which yeah. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Saturdays and Sundays were gone for that. <laughs> Caltech. Um, but the hard part was learning the lines. And so I, I have a musical ear at this point, and so I can probably hear a song once and then just go on the piano and play it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so learning the songs, I was like, okay, I got that. But the lines were just, man, I was like, how did actors do this? Um, but again, that idea of iteration yeah. is creation kind of came. And so I was like, all right, let's just repeat it over yeah. and over and over and over again <laughs> at different times throughout this journey. And then all of a sudden it just came a part of me. And then when that yeah. happened, you can play with the character more and, you know, you can bring in those other aspects you're not worried about or thinking about the lines yeah. and stuff. Um, but yeah, and so it kind of, the whole thing kind of reinforced, you know, where I'm kind of thinking um, right now. Uh, and, and it was really fun, but, well, um, you know. What made you want to do a musical? I mean, what made you sort of say, okay, I've been playing around with my piano. I've been, you know, winning awards for sort of, you know, being a pianist. Yeah. So the fake answer is, you know, <laughs> I wanted to be challenged. And <laughs> but the real answer, I went, I went through a breakup. And so <laughs> I had a lot of time. And I was like, and I got this email saying, uh, calling yeah. JPLers and Caltechers if you want to come do this musical with us. Yeah. And you know, I was like, you know what? Something I've never done before. You know, I'm just gonna let's go for it. And that's an audition, and you know, got that part, and yeah, went for it. That's fantastic. I mean, breakups can definitely be really yeah. like foundational shifts. Yeah. You know, sometimes for the good, sometimes for the bad. <laughs> so I'm glad that this one was for the good. <laughs> yeah, one million percent. <laughs> well, that's awesome. By the way, I mentioned to someone in our office that we were talking to you today um, and they brought up JPL talent show. Oh. So JPL has a talent show. Oh, yeah. Pre-COVID, it used to happen every year. So all the employees would get together and they would come perform their various talents. Which is all over the place yeah. in areas of, of art and really fun and awesome to see. You know, yeah. So yeah, just I don't know if you, I mean, did you did you win? She didn't. I won. I won <laughs> a couple won. times. Yeah. <laughs> you won. I just you know. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. But anyway, so she remembered you. So it was just so funny that she remembered your name from Aww. the JPL Challenge. <laughs> yeah, that's a fun time. That's that so fun just to see. And then there's like, um, like. Uh, like Bollywood dance, and then yeah. people, someone was doing like rap, and some guy came and played the violin, and then people, like, I just like the JPL is so awesome with a, with yeah. a, a lot, so much different talents that you will never have known yeah. if it wasn't for something like that. Right. So, like, honestly, kudos to HR for doing that because it was, it was great to see, you know, it was so fun. Hopefully, I'll be back. I wonder, you know, what kind of hybrid talent show. Yeah, we they tried to do one um, virtually. It was a little bit more difficult. But, yeah, that's uh, hard. Yeah, because you have to get your like the sound exactly. even. You know where you're where you're, you know. Yeah, exactly. Transmitting <laughs> from so. Yeah. Well, hopefully, 
hopefully there's a possibility of doing something with yeah. both the on-lab and virtual communities. But yeah. Okay, all right. So you're going to sign up? Is it an exclusive here in the Daring no, Mighty Things feel, podcast? I feel it's too, it's too, too much. <laughs> um, yeah. I've done it too many, too many times now. And I, I wasn't even going to do it the second time, but the Juno, um, mm-hmm. I was working with Juno at the time, uh, a spacecraft at Jupiter. And the secretary was like, yeah. Joseph, you got to do it again. And I was like, no, I was like, I'm, I'm putting your name in, I don't care. Like, I was like, I don't know, it's kind of bad form to kind of like, you know. Like, like I already won last year, so. All right, I was like a few years, but still. But yeah, it was. I got it, got it. It was still fun to go and I tried to do something different. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So another thing that you're doing as part of the JPL Lab community is you are involved with BEST, yes. which is the Black Excellence Strategic Team awesome. here at JPL. Yep. Uh, one of our employee resource groups. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about that. What are some of the things that you're you're working on with them? Yeah, um, yeah. so it's all about, um, you know, building a community of, um, of black people on lab and um, and bringing awareness to some um, black issues, especially during the Black Lives Matter stuff that would happen. You know, it was very, um, it was very nice to have that community. Um, and so now what we're really doing is, um, building fun events like for instance Juneteenth is coming up and we're going to do a nice event um, and have speakers come and talk about that history and everything mm-hmm. and um and we do a little trivia nights for fun for to build a community mm-hmm. um but and and go out into um uh try to get outreach events and we pull from speakers in the best community to go and speak and and so it's just really a great community that's being fostered and um and showing the uh, diversity and inclusion um, goals that JPL set, which is really nice. Um, and seeing it come to fruition is awesome. You know? Yeah. I think one of the great things about those communities and the effort that you and the other participants and, and members of those communities do is, you know, bringing that visibility mm-hmm. and bringing that community of inclusion yeah, uh, yeah. to, to organizations like JPL. Um, we find that there's a lot of folks out there who want to work at organizations that are not just doing cool things, yeah. but where they can go and feel like they belong and feel like yeah. they're, you know, they're part of a community yeah. uh, that's almost equally as important as just you know getting to work on cool projects. So yeah. I think you know folks like you and the ERGs are doing a lot of work on on making JPL uh, that that community. Yeah. Um, so thank you for that. And, and you know, thank you. I know you guys uh, do some really cool uh, campaigns for social media. We recently uh, uh, collaborated with you guys. We, we, we just posted it. You guys did all of the incredible work for the Black History Month campaign of putting together uh, uh, a lift little video. Lift every voice and sing. Lift yeah, every voice, yeah. Black National Anthem. And we all sang it. It was really great to be a part of and fun. Yeah. I was yeah. thinking about that relationship between... Again, some of these themes that are really critical for uh, for us to have in conversations about visibility, inclusion, diversity, and that mm-hmm. connection to music and yeah. how music is such a great vehicle, yeah. you know, to express, oh, you know, yeah. emotions, thoughts. Um, Absolutely. So I thought that was a great, great opportunity to do that. So I'm glad. I, I can't remember who came up with the idea, but that was such a good idea. I think it was kind of an organized effort yeah. for sure. But kind of like, hey, what do we do this? What do we do that? And then kind of was like, oh, wow, it's going to work. Yeah. And, yeah. By the way, I'll go ahead and put it on the record here that I have an idea. <laughs> we wanted to, I think we talked about this, we wanted to, and I talked to Colin, our oh, yeah. our sound engineer about it, doing a little, a little, um, 
The tiny, tiny desk? Tiny desk version. Yes. Tiny CubeSat. <laughs> tiny CubeSat. Tiny CubeSat yes. uh, sessions <laughs> where we go around JPL and, you know, invite great musical employees that, you know, can play all these instruments and sing and have little sessions. Oh, yeah. You know, Von Karman, <laughs> you know, museum in front of some of the spacecraft models, you oh. know, over at the mall. I can't so, wait. I can't wait for that. So <laughs> That's going to be so cool. <laughs> so I know Colin's in. I just have to, you know, just have to find the budget <laughs> to do it. Got to write a space um, song for that one, for sure. Which, space theme song. <laughs> yeah. Should we do originals or should we do... I mean, people have them. It's always fun. Yeah. You know, to hear that, to hear their art coming from them. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll try to do that. <laughs> so, Joey, we've been talking a lot about the work that you're doing here at JPL um, with BEST. Uh, the JPL Talent Show, obviously your day-to-day work with the uh, spacecraft. Talk to us a little bit about some of the stuff that you're doing out there for the community. Yeah. So um, I have a deep passion for outreach, mainly because um, if I wasn't exposed to any of these things, I wouldn't be where I am today. And so I think it's a, it's very important to go back and try to bring exposure to places that may not have be be exposed to science in this this level or this arena, and um, and yeah, and so with that, I am trying to bring in all these different aspects of myself, um, and the things that I'm kind of seeing that we talked about earlier about um, iteration um, in spacecraft development and songwriting, um, and around the world, just in the ocean you see waves right that's still iteration it's still up and down you know um and how to use that these concepts in creating and so um you know i've been going to a lot of schools and kind of teaching kids about um, the importance of work and rest and work and rest and using kind of that wave to build momentum there's this video on youtube of a guy in this pool and he'll start up just jumping up and down with a um with a little floaty and um, all of a sudden, the waves really start to, you know, go up with him. And, 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 you know, and he can do that if he just kind of try to stay up and not come down with it mm-hmm. or just try to stay down and not ever come up. Mm-hmm. You have to have this wave action to build momentum. Um, and that's just, the same applies in creating anything. Um, you know, again, creating spacecraft, you got to iterate and come back to it. And it's always and rest a little bit and maybe let your mind take a break. And then come back at it with a fresh mind. Same thing with music. Same thing with any kind of art. Um, and I think it, it really hits home with them. And I, I bring like I bring like a piano and show them like you know playing the same chord over and over again is terrible. And you know changing that starts to bring variation. Changing volume starts to bring variation. Changing a little bit of how the chords come in changes variation. And each of those are waves in themselves. Um, and and the concepts really hit. Um, yeah, I've been getting a lot of a lot of joy from that. Um, and I'm still learning it myself and trying to get exactly the main message of, of what I'm kind of getting at, mm-hmm. but, um, it's been a really fun journey and I think it's definitely something I'm going to explore further on for sure. Doing like a series of talks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the whole thing's called Frequency, which mm-hmm. is, um, uh, an event happening over iterations over time. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
how we communicate with spacecraft, how, you know, <laughs> a lot of things are done. Right. <laughs> Has to happen over time. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and finding the frequency of yourself, you know, we're all uniquely different. We all vibrate. You're vibrating right now. Each cell inside of each atom inside of you is vibrating. And you have a unique frequency that is uniquely you. And I kind of believe life is a journey to really to find yourself, to find that unique vibration that when you um, employ it the highest effort, you, you know, light up the most. Um, and some people are put in situations where they're not able to be themselves. And some people don't know who they are yet and are trying to put on different masks that light up and diminish their frequency. But when you find that, that sweet spot and you just go for it and you're authentically at all times yourself is when I think you shine the most. That's so powerful. I have to say, I think that it hits for me because I, I think that there are a lot of us out there who might find ourselves in our mid careers and still wondering whether, yeah. you know, we're being the most authentic selves in the expression of our talents. Yeah. And, um, that's a, you know, it's a deeply personal journey mm -hmm. that I'll say I definitely think gets harder as you get older. So I'm glad to hear that you're working um, with oh, sort yeah. of, you know, this, the next generation to kind of identify that because that is really the time where it can be slightly easier to sort of, you know, yeah. identify that and own it and maybe build it. Oh, uh, well, for me, it's just, you know, it's difficult for me because there's so many other frequencies around you that are challenging and trying to influence your own. But when you stay true to who you are, find it first and then stay true to it, you emit a certain frequency that other people may be in tune with. Yeah. And that's how you get your tribe and the people that really are like your people, yeah. you know, because their radio stations are tuned in only to this frequency if that's what they're aligned with. And then all of a sudden, you know, and so it's it's kind of like sciencey. I just love relating science back to like yeah. social aspects, back to art and music, and like all these different things, and connecting all these things that normally wouldn't be connected. That's my favorite thing to do. <laughs> That's awesome. Do you feel like you have found your true, authentic passion? I, feel like I am ninety eight percent there. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I'm very close, um, but you know, it's it's a it's a journey and a struggle. But I think I would put myself at a solid forty seven percent. Nice. <laughs> We're all on that. We're oh, all on that journey. Awesome. <laughs> and then maybe if we could go back to the musical that you were in for a second, would you mind giving us just like a brief summary mm -hmm. of the musical that you were in? It was called From the Earth to the Moon. Yes. Tell us a little bit about, is it based on a novel? Is yeah. it an original? So it's based off of Jules Verne um, piece. He wrote uh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Um, and so it's late 1800s, um, and this idea of um, this man who gets the idea to shoot a projectile to the moon, a, a cannonball with from a 900-foot <laughs> cannon <laughs> cast in the earth, and time it correctly with enough gun cotton mm -hmm. to <laughs> shoot it to the moon and hit the moon. And then it evolves into people actually being inside the projectile <laughs> to go to the moon. <laughs> Um, a scope creep, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there's, there's villains, there's a, there's a love yeah. interest all throughout, and you know, <laughs> there's people challenging. Um, this guy's Captain Barbican, the guy who played um, his um, idea and his, you know, his vision. 
Um, but it's just really fun because yeah. um, the whole thing is ridiculous. And like even like the chalkboard, we had like ridiculous little mm-hmm. um, diagrams that's supposed to like, you know, yeah. you know, match something as, you know, like technical as this. <laughs> um, just for fun. And uh, but yeah, um, it was written by um, two brothers, Cole and Grant Riminen. I think I'm saying their names right. One's a uh, astrophysicist who went to Caltech mm-hmm. and one's a playwright. And so they're just right. these amazing brothers that have wrote um, a few musicals that um, just have such character yeah. and care. Um, and it's just, just really fun. To, and the, the music's really great. And they just did a great job. Um, but yeah, I was at Caltech. All Caltech students and employees, which JPL were kind of a Caltech employee. We have like, this weird relationship. We are officially we, a Caltech I mean, we're, employee. Yeah, we're, actually, <laughs> we're really our Caltech employees, yes. I mean, we love our NASA missions. <laughs> we love we, it. We, you know, we're funded by NASA. Yeah. You know, we yeah. work on great NASA missions, but we are Caltech employees. So Yeah. And so, um, you know, that relationship's great. And so yeah. just to see from all the way from freshmen all the way to people that have, um, you know, helping put an instrument to Europa, yeah. you know. Uh, are all just involved in this art creation. So yeah. that's great. And shout out to director uh, Brian Brophy, who was awesome and, you know, really gave us a great spirit. Are you already thinking about your next next play? Yeah, next musical theory. It kind of kind of bit me a little bit. Yeah? It's okay. a lot of work, though. Yeah. Um, like, it is way more work than I thought it was, was to, to put a production like that uh, together. But it was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and so maybe we'll see when the next opportunity comes up. I'll, I'll definitely probably okay. be on board. <laughs> we might see you on Broadway. Uh, who knows? <laughs> who knows? <laughs> so one of the things that you've mentioned in the past is, again, how the, the work at JPL can't happen in a vacuum, right? There aren't necessarily just the these are you know one person that makes a mission successful, but it's an incredible collection of individuals with different skill sets. Talk to us a little bit about, you know, why that's so meaningful. Yeah, the idea of teamwork and really requiring a team to do something phenomenal and special in this in this world is like very clear to me at JPL. Because especially being in flight systems engineering, which you kind of wear the hat of each subsystem, um, but at a rudimentary level versus the expert level that the actual subsystem, people working in the actual subsystem hold. Um, so, for instance, like thermal or navigation or power, each of these subsystems of the actual entire system, the spacecraft, um, are run by people that are experts in that. And so without them, you know, it's impossible to have this level of expertise in every single area. I mean, there may be like one or two people, and those are the greatest people alive because it's very difficult to learn all of that. Um, and not just in the spacecraft realm, but in the entire realm of JPL, you know, um, from what we talked about earlier, from communications to finance to business to, to outreach and to stuff like this, like every single component is critical to get some, get a spacecraft to Saturn. Like it really is. And you need it and, you, and and make sure the public appreciates it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just done in a vacuum. And um, and that's been really special to see. And to and everyone here is so open and, um, you know, willing to talk about what they do and why they got into the field they did. And, um, you know, for instance, going from engineering to science is like a whole different world. Um, we deal with operations. They deal with, you know, data collection and, and, and uh 
processing it and figuring out what's happening and the only reason why it's there <laughs> and just to get into their minds and and see how um, they see the world and I think it's just it's really awesome and it really is a collection of tiny parts that make up the entire the entire piece you know it's it has to be that way um, and I know we talked about this earlier when we talked about the magnitude of working for something like a NASA mission and how, again, many of us growing up or even during our educational journeys have certain conceptions about, preconceptions about what it takes to be on those yeah. missions. And many of us sometimes psych ourselves out. Yeah. I could never, the magnitude, the history, the greatness of working on something like a NASA mission or at a place like JPL yeah. maybe feels totally inaccessible. Yeah, that's for the greats. Completely. And again, you said it really well. Once you're on the inside, you realize that, yes, there are greats, but the majority of the missions are successful because of that collection of small contributions yeah. that each of these individuals are doing. Yeah. And we're, we're trying to give some visibility to that. Yeah. There might be somebody out there who's in accounting, yeah. you know, or in math, and they think, well, JPL is a place for mechanical engineering. Um, I, you know, I, I want to send things into space, so I need to know about rocket propulsion. Mm. Yeah. yeah, some people need to know that, yeah. but you could be an asset in other ways. Completely, and the way that you think could be an asset as well, especially, for instance, like in the math world, you think very logical, you think very, you know, if there's one counterexample, this proof will not work, um, which, is helpful in a systems engineering role because there can't be a counterexample the spacecraft will fail. <laughs> so it's like you gotta make sure all your bases are covered when yeah. you're making a sequence, for, for instance, make sure there's no little errors and there's people that check your work right. and all these different things. Um, but having that mindset is great, you know, but I may not have the right mindset um, for like science work or um, for outreach, um, or not outreach, but communication, things like that. And those are critical, needed, and require a different type of mind. And that could be anyone out here listening to this. Right. Thinking that they can't work there and you absolutely can't work at NASA yeah. completely. You know. Talk to us a little bit, if you don't mind, about NeoWise. Yeah. And how it was a mission that started out with a specific purpose and mm -hmm. now it's being used for something kind of relevant. <laughs> uh, thanks to a, a recent film. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, new. I started out as um, doing a survey of the sky um, in an infrared wavelength, um, and so just we can just learn more about the universe. Um, it was called the Wise Mission and then, and then it got repurposed to NeoWise and innovatively to uh, try to find potentially hazardous asteroids. Um, and that has really been interesting sitting in on those meetings <laughs> because there's this movie, Don't Look Up, which everyone talks to me about when I talk about this. <laughs> this yeah, space it always comes up. <laughs> and you did watch it, right? I or, did. Yeah, okay. I, there's folks at JPL that can't watch it. They're it's like, hard. it just hits too close yeah. to home. <laughs> oh, man, it was difficult. Yeah. I'm just like, you're sitting there, like, come on. <laughs> you guys, like, seriously. Literally, an asteroid is yeah. coming. Um, but, but yeah, so that, that, that would be the spacecraft probably to, to find that, which is, you know, um, 
interesting to to hear that and um, know that you know I would definitely if I'm if I'm not on my game and in France or something all of a sudden <laughs> I'll tell some people but <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> A quick question about that pro- that mission you said mm-hmm. now it's being used for this purpose when it was launched did you say that that was they eventually knew kind of like that the scientific part of or the original purpose of the mission would and then they would transition it to this or I'm not exactly sure I don't think so though I think that um, uh-huh. it was just put up there for um, all sky survey. Uh-huh. And then once an asset is working well yeah. and um, you have in the mission lifetime is gone, that's, that happens all the time at JPL. They'll give a two, three, four year um, mission lifetime, but it's just built so well. <laughs> that's just, the warranty. That's, yeah. that's, that's the warranty. <laughs> yeah. like, people here are just so good at building spacecraft. And so, yeah. you know, and so they was like, oh, let's, let's do this and let's try to figure out this trajectory to yeah. go explore this planet or this, or this moon. Um, and yeah, so that's one of the things they did with this and they found out that they can utilize its instruments to, um, to look for, uh, potentially hazardous asteroids and yeah. it's working. Again, it's awesome. Yeah. You repurpose every <laughs> spacecraft so it doesn't become debris. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Oh, no more debris, please. <laughs> <laughs> what is no. it with us humans? Like everywhere no, we go, I mean, it's just yeah. <laughs> leave, a, leave debris behind everywhere we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so Joy, what's your advice uh, sitting here at JPL seven years in for anyone out there who wants to intern or work at JPL? Um, my advice is to have the mindset that you can work here, you will work here, and you should work here. Above all, mindset is so important. Tell yourself good thoughts, powerful thoughts. Um, and then um, one, if you're in college, go to your office hours, get to know your professors. <laughs> get to know and build a network because for instance that's how I got this job and um that is and it's also a great um place to pull information from during hard times when you're not sure um where you want to go and um and yeah just keep working hard and um believing in in something greater than yourself um I think is really important um and I would say probably the best advice I can give is um, consistency beats talent, and especially if you have, you find your gift and you are consistent in it, in hard work, you know, taking rest as well. That is when something beautiful, really beautiful can happen. And so just because you may see someone who seems super smart, genius, and you don't feel like you'll live up mm-hmm. to that, know that if you consistently put in the hard work in, that person may burn out because they get arrogant. But it's the person who just keeps their head down and keeps going and never gives up is the one that usually makes it in the end. I think earlier we talked about fear. Oh, yeah. Yeah. uh, And how, again, that can be such a barrier for folks. So it's, you know, maybe it's related to not finding their authentic selves, but... You know, what would you say to someone who is afraid, afraid to go to their professor's office hours and being found to be, you know, not not as smart as, you know, they mm-hmm. think they should be? Um, I Everyone thinks hate is the opposite of love. Well, not everyone, but like a lot of people think hate is the opposite of love. I really think it's fear and that hate is a derivative from, um, from fear, yeah. And to really overcome fear, in my opinion and stage fright and getting in front of people is knowing that every single person in this 
world is infallible in some kind of way, capacity and situation that they've been in, meaning everyone has failed at some point in their life and trying. And in, in tandem, also, everybody wants you to do well most of the time. You know, if I'm in front of the musical in the audience, people really wanted me to sing well, not miss that note usually. And if I do miss a note, they're like, oh, it's okay. Well, he did that part good, like, you know, and everyone's going to miss a side. note, by the way. <laughs> I don't think. Uh, <laughs> I don't have a musical ear that much, but I don't think he missed any notes. But so, yeah, you know, of course, the, the world isn't yeah, against out there you. judging you. Exactly. Um, they want, um, you know, everybody around you wants you to succeed. The world succeeds exactly. if you succeed. Exactly. Most of the time. Sometimes there gets some, and true, that, again, true, true. is driven by their own fear. And right. then you, you recognize that, and there can be some compassion there. Um, and, but yeah, but the most important thing is to know that, again, putting yourself out there over time if you fail 98% of the time, that 2% is going to come. And if you, but you have to keep putting yourself out there. You have to keep having the courage to believe in yourself and what your dreams are and not take no for an answer, not listen to anybody else in their own fear-based mentality, tell them you can't do it or just any um, outside noise. Um, the, just as long as you know you have a gift and it feels right, mm -hmm. that should be the only driver. Um, and when you have that, then fear just melts away. You can really do anything you want, like really. That's awesome. Yeah. Really speaking to me personally, no. I'm gonna go. <laughs> gonna take the long weekend. We are off tomorrow. Every other Friday off. No, not not spacecraft operations, but you know. <laughs> oh no! Okay, yeah, cut, that out, cut, Colin, Colin, yeah. cut that out, Colin. Cut that out. Cut that out, Colin. You guys are on a five forty. Uh, basically, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's impossible to kind of get out of that, which is fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can look at that. <laughs> I have a long weekend because I'm part of the 980 schedule. So every other, every other Friday off, I'm going to go home and think about that because I think that there's so much to kind of unpack there and think about, um, all of us. Yeah. And how do we, how do we overcome that fear to, you know, genuinely find our authentic selves and give of ourselves the most we can to to the world, to these missions, you know, to the arts. Yeah. So, yeah, it's awesome. I love it. <laughs> Joey, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I hope you so had, you know, fun and, you know, enjoyed our, our conversation. And I hope that we can find more opportunities to, you know, have these kind of conversations with folks. So without listeners like you, none of this would be possible. So please be sure to subscribe on wherever you listen to podcasts. We put out a new episode of the season each week. And also be sure to follow us on social media at JPL Careers. Don't be afraid to dare mighty things from little to big things and explore careers at jpl.jobs. Talk to you next time. <laughs>